MSW Media. Thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, August 18th, 2022. Today, the Fulton County DA's investigation heats up as Rudy Giuliani testifies after being named a target for indictment. Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington get their hands on troves of Secret Service emails. Biden cancels another $4 billion in student loan debt. Pence says he might make himself available to testify to the 1-6 committee. And Weisselberg will cooperate, kind of, with the Manhattan DA investigation, but only a little. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Okay, so update on my face. <laughs> I mean, you know, people, if Friday when there's the Patreon happy hour, the shit is not going to be any better. This is one of the most gnarly black eyes I've ever seen. Um, fortunately, I got a CT scan and it's just a, a shiner. It's just a black eye. There's no bone crack. There's no problem with my brain, uh, at least that didn't exist before. That what? That happened after? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the nurse was hilarious she was like putting the little thing on my finger that takes my heart rate and she was she was like unhooking me to sit up for a minute and she's like just make sure not to hit yourself in the face with it (laughs) oh my god i love i love medical people with a sense of humor (laughs) and joelle's like oh nurse has got jokes (laughs) it was really she was it was funny um and kind of embarrassing but i am okay i'm fine i will be fine i'm just a little tired I did have a concussion. Mm-hmm. So that's what's going on. Um, Rudy is not doing as well. <laughs> he <laughs> he had to uh, testify today after getting a target letter. You know, he's being targeted for indictment, along with the 16 other Georgia lawmakers who purported to be certified electors for Donald. He likely, I'm guessing, we don't know, but I'm guessing he took the fifth for most of the six hours that he was in there. because. In a federal case, if you've got a target letter and you go into the grand jury, you can just take blanket fifth. I'm not going to talk to you. And then you're there for 10 minutes and then you're done. But in Georgia, it works differently. They get to ask you each individual question and you plead the fifth to it so that they have it all on the record. So I'm guessing what happened today, but we'll see. He's being very smug about it. And this is fun. This is kind of new. Donald is now under pressure to release CCTV footage from the day of the execution of a search warrant on Mar-a-Lago. Eric Trump's like, oh, we'll definitely release that video when the time is right. I'm hearing that they were asked to turn off the video surveillance while the FBI was there so that they couldn't release the identities of, of these agents that were there. And there is a hearing today, if you're listening to this on Thursday, there's a hearing today about unsealing that affidavit that we were talking about. And the DOJ has filed a very lengthy 22-page motion to sort of, they, they don't want this affidavit to come out. They're saying it would severely, irreparably harm our ongoing investigation. And an interesting note, now that we know 
that Philbin and, and possibly Cipollone have already talked to the feds earlier in the spring about this case, this this document mishandling and Espionage Act stuff, that the, the DOJ said unsealing this affidavit could also chill some of these witnesses that we've spoken to in this case from testifying in other high-profile investigations. Hmm. That would probably be the January 6th investigation, the fraudulent electors, probably. So that was just sort of an interesting thing. They sort of revealed in a backhanded way, we are criminally investigating Donald for these documents. And there's also another high profile case that these witnesses are, <laughs> are testifying. Real important, real important <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah. So all of that, plus we have a lot of news to get to. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. Alan Weisselberg, who for decades was one of Trump's most trusted executives, He's bag man, pretty much, has reached a deal to plead guilty on Thursday and admit to his role in a long-running tax scheme, a 15-year-long tax scheme at the former president's family business. That's a serious blow to the company that could imperil its chances in an upcoming trial on related charges. The plea deal will allow Weisselberg to spend as little as 100 days in jail, which I still think is bullshit, and it does not require Weisselberg to cooperate with the Manhattan DA's office in its broader investigation. But Weisselberg will have to admit to all 15 felonies he was charged with. Oof. And if called as a witness at the trial for the Donald Trump organization, he will have to testify about his role in the scheme to avoid paying taxes on lavish corporate perks. That requirement will put the Trump org at a pretty big disadvantage and uh, will make Mr. Weisselberg a central witness in the October trial. Weisselberg will not implicate Trump himself or his family members if he takes the stand in that trial, according to the people. But Weisselberg's testimony and acknowledgement from one of the Trump organization's top executives that he committed the crimes listed in the indictment, all 15 of them, would undercut any effort by the company's lawyers to contend that no crime was committed. The indictment placed Mr. Weisselberg at the center of the company's conspiracy, And his testimony could enable prosecutors to argue that his admissions go a long way to proving its broader claims about the whole rest of the organization. The prosecutors also essentially accused him of conspiring with the Trump org, which he will have to acknowledge at his plea hearing today and at the trial if he's called as a witness. We don't know if they'll call him as a witness. New York Times reported Monday Weisselberg was nearing a deal with prosecutors and CNN reported Wednesday he had agreed to testify at the Trump organization's trial. So when this first came out, they said, There was reporting from the New York Times that there would be no cooperation. Now there appears to be a little bit, but not a full-throated cooperation deal. So again, in my opinion, it's still a bullshit sweetheart deal, 100 days in in prison. And I hope the reporting that he's agreeing to five months isn't true, but it seems like it is. It seems like that's what this is confirming here at the Post. Yeah. All right, AG, thank you for that. All right, former president, former vice president, Jesus Christ, I want to edit just because I never want that to be into the universe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't will that. All right, former vice president, Mike Pence, has not ruled out testifying before the January 6th Select Committee investigating efforts by his former boss and his allies to overturn the results of the 2020 election. He said, if there was an invitation to participate, I would consider it. Oh, I would consider it. As long as mother says it's okay. That's what Pence (laughs) told a packed room. (laughs) <laughs> at the New England Council and St. Enzelm College's Politics and Eggs event. Politics and Eggs? You heard me. Politics and Eggs, A-G. That was Wednesday mornings. That's Wednesday mornings if you want to go. Aren't they pro-life, though? I mean, isn't that just a chicken embryo? Like, how could they possibly... You really think that they would have to carry these to term? There should just be chickens all over the fucking campus. 
All right. Uh, He went on to say, I would have to reflect on the unique role that I was serving as vice president. Uh, It would be unprecedented in history for the vice president to be summoned to testify on Capitol Hill. But as I said, I don't want to prejudice ever any formal invitation rendered to us. You know, what's also really unprecedented is that the president asking for the vice president to be hung. Like that's also unprecedented. So maybe you should fucking talk to the, I can't, I can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. In fact, former vice president Pence himself is typically very reticent to talk about his experience on January 6th. I can't understand why, because the country, at least his supporters, wanted to have him hanged. Mm. When rioters stormed the U.S. Capitol to disrupt the counting of the electoral votes and chanted, hang Mike Pence, he seemed uncharacteristically open to talking about it Mm. down the line. Perhaps in the memoir, he referenced that it's scheduled to be released just (laughs) after November's midterm elections. (laughs) Fuck off. You know there was a ghostwriter for that one, too. Mm. Yep, the American people have a right to know what happened, Pence said. Oh, but I'm not going to tell anybody until I release my book after the election. All these fuckers. Now, in the months, he went on to say, in the months and years ahead, I'll be telling my story even more frequently. Will you, Mike? Will you, Mike? (laughs) When it no longer uh, matters or holds any weight. Hurts me in politics. Exactly. The January 6th panel has weighed whether to formally seek Pence's testimony for months, with members at times suggesting that they would like to bring the former vice president in to hear his versions of the events. I'm not really interested. There's one piece of evidence that only Pence may be equipped to provide. What that is, is his responses to Trump himself during their final call, their final phone call on January 6th, when Trump apparently berated Pence for refusing to support his plan to block the certification of Joe Biden's victory at the joint session of Congress that day. Now, the committee, but the committee has at other points indicated it may not need to hear directly from Pence, whose closest advisors have testified at length and provided the panel with some of its most significant revelations. Now, the panel declined comment Wednesday, so they are, they are refusing to say anything about it. Now, two of Pence's top aides, Mark Short and Greg Jacob, recently testified before a Washington, D.C. grand jury investigating efforts by Donald and his administration to disrupt the transfer of power. Their testimony to the select committee helped um, form the basis of a federal judge's assessment that Trump had likely committed multiple crimes connected to January 6th. You, you think? Yeah. And that's the two crimes, right? 18 U.S. Code 371 and 18 U.S. Code 1512 C2. And Dana, we're going to go off script just here for a quick second because there's a big breaking story coming down from the Department of Justice. Federal prosecutors investigating the role that Trump and his allies played in the events leading up to the attack on the Capitol have issued a grand jury subpoena to the National Archives for all the documents they provided to the Parallel House Select Committee inquiry. That's according to a copy of the subpoena obtained by the New York Times. The subpoena issued to the National Archives in May, Dana, made a sweeping demand for all materials in whatever form the archives had given to the House Committee. Those materials included records from the files of Trump's top aides, his daily schedule and phone logs, and a draft text of the president's speech that preceded the riot. This was signed by Thomas Wyndham. That is a federal prosecutor has been leading the Justice Department's wide ranging inquiry into what part Trump and his allies may have played in the various schemes to maintain power. Chief among them, the false fraudulent slates of electors schemes. So that subpoena has just been handed to the to it looks like the Times and they're reporting it. And it was issued last May. So that's a big deal. And. There's some new stuff that the crew got. That's the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. They say in days before the January 6th attack on the Capitol, documents exchanged between the Secret Service 
And other law enforcement agencies outlined threats of violence on the 6th, coming predominantly from right-wing groups with, quote, plans to bring weapons into the district. That's according to these documents obtained by Crew. The Secret Service knew that Trump supporters would be demonstrating around Freedom Plaza and the Capitol with the intent to cause violence. But the agency does not appear to have taken the threat seriously. They just left those officers out there in the wind. Now, while the Secret Service downplayed threats posed by right-wing extremist groups and Trump supporters leading up to January 6th, the newly obtained documents revealed just how grave and explicit the threats had actually been. The National Capital Region Threat Intelligence Consortium, NTIC, disseminated these threats in messages and a conference call on the morning of January 4th, providing a clear and prescient warning of the violence to come. NTIC alerted the Secret Service, the FBI, the Capitol Police, and the Metropolitan Police Department, among other law enforcement groups, of online communications citing violence on January 6th, which included objectives as occupying the Capitol to influence lawmakers to change election results, a call to come with guns, be prepared to battle, and exercise your Second Amendment rights. Groups identified as coming with potential to cause violence included the Oath Keepers, the Three Percenters, and neo-Nazi groups Adam Waffen and Stormfront. In spite of this warning, the Secret Service noted, there's no indication of civil disobedience. Oh my God. Stemming from the right-wing extremist groups involved in the riot. Upon learning upon the Proud Boys' intent to arrive in D.C. on the 6th, the Secret Service released an internal memo that disclosed a no indication for concern, despite the Proud Boys stating they would turn out in record numbers. NTIC's warning was not the only one the Secret Service failed to heed. The U.S. Marshal Service Office of Protective Intelligence flagged a parlor post for a reference of violence against the vice president and followed it up with a report titled Concerning Issues that included further screenshots of recent parlor posts calling for the violent removal of politicians, implying plans to have firearms at the Capitol to threaten the vice president. Quote, it's going to get violent as we charge the federal buildings and drag out corrupt politicians dead or alive. That's one posted before the 6th, continuing on to reveal the author's desire to actually kill politicians. Quote, now you got weapons I came packing, read one post of the morning of the riot. I'm here for justice. Bang, bang. The post made clear who their top target was. Fuck Pence, sellout traitor. We better see him coming out that building in handcuffs or we're going in. Now, these documents show government law enforcement receiving clear warnings of the violence and the Secret Service was fully aware that Trump supporters were coming and they posed a real threat of violence, particularly against the vice president, including the possibility of an assault on the Capitol. What they do not show is why Secret Service downplayed the danger and threats of violence on the 6th. The Secret Service knew of a threat to Nancy Pelosi days before the insurrection, but did not pass it along until hours after the Capitol had been breached. On January 4th, Secret Service agents discovered a parlor account, which they've chosen not to name at Crew, posting a series of violent threats toward lawmakers. Other profiles with the same name appear on Twitter, MeWe, BitChute, YouTube, Facebook, and MyButthole.Fart. I thought that I made up that last one. <laughs> on December 31st, <laughs> the account posted, quote, January 6th starts 1776 all over again. Fight for everything. And it listed enemies, including Nancy Pelosi. At 5.55 p.m. on the 6th, after hours of defending the Capitol from a violent mob, the U.S. Capitol Police received the post, along with a message from the Secret Service. Good afternoon. The U.S. Secret Service is passing notification to the U.S. Capitol Police regarding discovery of a social media threat directed 
towards Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Oh, my God. The language used by the account, as we've now seen repeated in recordings and released by the January 6th committee, is a clear call for a violent overthrow of the American government. It was far from the only troubling post the Secret Service found, but didn't say anything about. There was a Twitter post the same day as the threat against Pelosi listed tips for the brave and courageous patriots going to D.C. to force Congress to refuse Biden's rigged election. The tips included warnings such as keep MAGA gear hidden until after checking in at hotels. D.C. is very blue and a hotbed for Antifa and BLM. Stay with the large group, especially at night, and be wary of D.C. police officers. As January 6th loomed, the threats got more specific. Quote, Biden will die shortly after being elected. The account posted on January 2nd. Patriot's going to tear his head off. Prison is his best case scenario. Quote, we're all on a mission to save America. Lone wolf attacks are the way to go. Stay anonymous. Stay alive. Guns up, patriots. In the past month, crew has learned that the Secret Service failed to prepare for violence at all on January 6th, despite receiving all these explicit warnings, and then deleted key evidence from the day, likely breaking the law. The delay in notifying the Capitol Police about the threat to the Speaker of the House and the Vice President only adds to the impression that the agency failed to do its job and leads to more questions. Why did the agency wait two days until after the Capitol had been breached and congressional leaders were in hiding to pass it along? This story blows my mind, A.G. I, I mean, yeah. just hearing you reading it, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy that all of this actually happened. Ugh, okay. Good news. Anyone good news during this block? The Biden administration said Tuesday it will grant full automatic forgiveness for $3.9 billion in education debt held by former <laughs> students of the defunct for-profit chain ITT Technical Institute. Hmm. This is the first time hearing of this, which is nuts. The action covers 208,000 people who were enrolled in ITT Tech from January 1st of 2005 to its closure in September of 2016. Former students are not required to submit an application. They will receive a letter from the Education Department informing them of the pending discharge. And this is a quote. The evidence shows that for years, ITT's leaders intentionally misled students about the quality of their programs in order to profit off federal student loan programs with no regard for the hardship this would cause. That's from Education Secretary Miguel Cardona. And he said that on a call with reporters Tuesday. Now, since taking office, the Biden administration has whittled away at debt relief claims filed by ITT tech students who said that they were defrauded by the chain. Now, it has approved $1.9 billion in discharges for 130,000 ITT tech students in the past year based on evidence of widespread misinterpretations by that school. State and federal authorities, including the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, found ITT tech had routinely misled students about the ability to transfer their credits to other schools. And they also discovered the for-profit chain lied to students about employment and earnings prospects after graduation. And this is another quote. Many ITT tech students were misled, coerced, or victimized by other illegal misconduct. That's from Maryland Attorney General Brian Frosch, who helped secure a $330 million settlement against ITT tech over private student loans. Went on to say, we are pleased that the Department of Education heeded our recommendation to forgive the federal loans owed by defrauded students. Now, Tuesday's announcement marks the second largest group discharge of federal student loans to date, following the Education Department's cancellation of $5.6 billion in debt held by Corinthian college students in June. Now, it also arrived with a series of other actions the administration's taking to hold colleges accountable and ease the burden of debt on those students. The department said it has formally notified DeVry University 
that is liable for nearly 24 million in federal loans the department has discharged through the debt relief program known as Borrow Defense to Repayment. And in February, the department identified about 1,800 DeVry students who were eligible for 71.7 million in debt relief. Meanwhile, the department also said it will approve the cancellation of debt held by roughly 100 people who attended Kaplan Career Institute in Massachusetts in July of 2011 to February 2012. And with that announcement, the Biden administration has now approved nearly $32 billion in loan forgiveness to 1.6 million borrowers. And still, activists and liberal lawmakers are clamoring for the president to fulfill a campaign promise to grant some form of widespread forgiveness to the 45 million people with a combined $1.6 trillion in federal student loans. Biden has promised to deliver a decision before the end of the month. And we talked about this before. We think something else is coming down that pipe. So keep an eye out for that one. You know, we're going to cover it here on The Beans. Yep. Yep. I think it'll be at least $10,000 per person and hopefully also an extension of the repayment pause, which expires August 31st, just a little less than two weeks from today. We talked about this yesterday. All right. That is really good news. And we have some more good news. We just need to take a quick break first. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. I want to talk about something I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 by Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. I wanted an optimized immune system. And I wanted to stop having to take 20 different supplements from 30 different places, including my fridge and a scoop and a thing and superfoods and vitamins and minerals. I wanted it all in one place. And with this one delicious scoop of AG1 by Athletic Greens, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, everything you need to help start your day. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system. It helps with your energy, recovery and focus, and aging. It helps all all the things. It helps with all the things. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for their support. And right now they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Athletic Greens helps me with my mental clarity, my alertness. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, which is why I take it with me even when I travel. And for every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in need, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one delicious scoop and a cup of water every morning. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. It saves time and money, and it's yummy. It's so delicious. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you that free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And also today, the show is brought to you by one of my favorite things ever, sleep. And that's because of Helix Sleep. I used to have a bunch of sleep problems. I would toss and turn all night. I would wake up sore and groggy. I thought it was stress and anxiety. And that was part of it. But also, it turns out I was sleeping on a mattress designed for someone else. And that's when Helix Sleep came to the rescue. I took their online two-minute sleep quiz, and it matched me with the perfect mattress, the Helix Midnight, because I'm a side sleeper, and I like a medium firm bed. And it's such an upgrade from my old mattress. I could never go back. It's the best night's sleep I've ever gotten. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. The Helix lineup has 14 unique models, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. It was designed for children 3 to 12 years old and has been awarded Best Mattress Winner by Parents Magazine. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night risk-free trial. 
to try out your new Helix mattress. You can see how your body adjusts. And if you decide it's not the best fit, you're welcome to return it for a full refund. They'll even come and pick it up. It ships out to you for free. It's easy to put together. You don't even need tools. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. Man, Thomas Wyndham, back in May, another subpoena we didn't hear about. I'm not surprised. July, August, four months ago, three months ago, four months ago. Damn. It's been in the works. That's why when they're like, there was no warning. I'm like, you've had fucking months of warning. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, and this this one is about the National Archives, and this is probably related to the fraudulent elector scheme. Among other things, we'll see. Uh, But that's a, a really, really good sign, and we didn't know about it. Let's do some other good news here. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, anything you want to send in to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And tickets are selling out fast. So get yours soon for August 22nd, live at Largo. Myself, Midas Touch, How We Win, Steve Pearson, Frangela, and Kathy Griffin, and a special guest who I'm not going to announce. We're all going to be there on Monday, the 22nd, live at Largo. And you can get your tickets by going to howwewinlive.com. First up from Carolyn, pronoun she and her. Oh, fuck. <laughs> After two and a half years of vigilance and not a single positive COVID test for the five members of my nuclear family, my eldest kid tested positive today. Damn it. Super annoyed because I had plans this Saturday. Obviously, this isn't good news. And on top of that, my chocolate lab went bananas and broke my finger today. Oh, geez. Carolyn. So I leave you with happy place photos. <laughs> We just returned from an epic road trip to San Diego, from San Diego to the Pacific Northwest. I remember this, including Canada and Glacier National Park. Please see Mortimer the Brash Pole Bridge, Montana Ground Squirrel, the amazing view from our Pole Bridge cabin, and a lovely photo of Banff National Park's iconic Lake Louise. I truly appreciate the coverage of the news. Right now, it can't come fast enough. (laughs) Look at this ground squirrel. (laughs) Oh my God, he's huge. That's a damn big prairie dog, if that's what they're still called. Very distinguished. A very distinguished man. Yes, he or, is. Or lady. Oh, these are beautiful. Uh, Look Glacier at that. National Park. My God. <sighs> that is so, that just looks peaceful just looking at it. It does. Thank you for that. All right. This is from Susan, pronouns she and her. A friend needs to rehome her beloved dog. She adopted him when he was 35 pounds and was told he was about two and would grow no larger. Ha! He is now between 70 and 80 pounds and is so (laughs) strong and active, too strong for my 65-year-old friend with multiple disabilities. He knocked, oh, he knocked her over and broke her foot. Then just today, as her boot was about to come off, stepped on her exposed toes and broke two of them. Jeez, he was adopted from a kill shelter that will take him back. And you know what? If he's not lucky again. Ugh, Reggie the dog is such a good boy. It's not his fault. But he's also believed he was a little lap dog and still thinks he is one. He's so funny and loving and works so hard in his doggy classes. He loves his mom and loves his walks. Her caregivers walk him and loves his toys and to choose and the chew sticks and to play in the yard. I've committed to driving him anywhere within several hours of Sacramento. 
Okay, so anyone within several hours of Sacramento, if you want this sweet boy, does anyone want a beautiful big dog who is so filled with love and joy of life? Someone stronger than a disabled 65-year-old woman, maybe? And regardless, we love you all almost as much as Reggie loves his mom. And Reggie is beautiful. Oh. Even the butt, butt. Look at the butt, butt. Reggie. Look at the dog butts. What a good boy. Yeah, he just doesn't know his own strength, methinks. But what a sweetheart. Okay, so anybody within a couple hours of Sacramento, hit us up. Hello at Muller, she wrote. And we'll let Susan know. Next up from John, pronouns he and him. Hi, ladies of the beans. Longtime listener. I'm enjoying how much what you discussed predicted way back is starting to come to fruition. My good news and shameless plug. After a hiatus of some 40 years, I'm treading the boards again in a local production of Shakespeare's As You Like It. Oh, this is John from the, yeah, the theater. Fortunately, there's always a part for an old man. We'll be performing in the beer garden of Casita Brewing Company in downtown Wilson, North Carolina, next to the Wallace Simpson Whirligig Park, as one does. Entrance is free. Performances are at 7.30 p.m., August 19th and 20th. It has been fun working with a talented group of people within the local acting community, but I forgot how much hard work it is. <laughs> yeah. Pod Pet Tax is provided. One of our three cats, the Ginger Chonk Strato. Yes, it's a trap. Thanks for your breakdown of the news. It's helped me get through these dark years. John, I'm so glad you're back up on the planks, on the boards. Totally. Look at the Whirly Gig Park. Okay. That's fun. And then look at the chonk. Oh, man, that is a chonk. It's a trap. Don't pet. No. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. This next one's from Gerilyn. No pronouns given. On this Black Cat Appreciation Day, I would like to share a picture of my house panther, Jellybean. Thanks to you, this funny cat boy now has his own theme song. I've taken your theme song and changed the words a bit. He's now serenaded with jelly bean, jelly bean, jelly bean, jelly bean, which I know you probably have a different, do you have a different way of singing that, A.G.? Uh, it's the theme song to this show. Right. So is so there... instead of daily beans, daily right. beans, it's jelly bean, jelly bean. Yeah. Yeah. See, I knew you'd have a different tone to it. There you go. Yes. And yes. she thinks the Look boy it. likes it. Oh my God. Look at, I love cats that sit like people. I know. It makes me laugh. Just showing his junk. That's so cute. Yeah. Giving us oh a my dude. God. I just saw the last picture. Take yeah, this, I know. Take it away. I know. Oh my God. Okay. All right. It's as good as it gets time. From no, uh, from anonymous, from no one, from no one, from no one, but, but not no one has pronouns. <laughs> oh, yeah, I did. I hit my head. Hello, Aquinas Dubinis. Uh, before I recount my shameful misheard lyric, I want to thank you for being part of my morning routine. I love your focus and clarity, and I really admire how you manage to be both rigorous and humorous. Oh, thank you. It's like listening to two really smart friends talk about a subject they know way more than I do. So on to my shame. I originally subscribed to your podcast on my wife's recommendation, and I never realized your tagline was news with swearing. In fact, I misheard the lyrics of your intro song to be the words news, followed by what I thought was the name Liz Waring, <laughs> i.e. news Liz Waring. And for the longest time, I wondered why Liz Waring never appeared on the show. Was she one of the founders who left the show, an heiress to the Waring blender fortune? <laughs> Was she on sabbatical? God, I hope she's all right and not sick or injured. It was only when one of you recently spoke the tagline out loud that I realized my error. Because this is so embarrassing, I will pay a double pet tax. First, our gentle departed heart dog, Otis. 
though uh, some euthanasia was not available, home euthanasia was not available to us, we sent him off in a ceremony that would have made Socrates envious. A weekend of lying with him on the mattress on the floor, feeding him his favorite junk foods and rubbing his belly, picking up his fuzzy responsibilities, is Marty, a very different but very humorous little guy who brings completely a completely different kind of doggy energy to our house. He's scheduled to have his own beans removed in a couple of weeks. Oh my God, what a funny <laughs> statement. So please send him your wishes for a speedy recovery. Oh, look at these babies. Oh, my God. I love these little guys. I do, too. (laughs) Sorry about your beans, buddy. But how adorable. Wyndham subpoenaed the National Archives in May. I just, I can't. (laughs) I love that you keep going back to it. It's just, it's such good news. I no know. leaks, you know, no. When was that? When was my, I did a whole thread about Wyndham. And because I was really excited to hear that he was coming on board. Yeah. And it, it might have been around that time. Let's see here. Thomas Wyndham. I'm just going to look and see when it was, because that'd be funny if it was right around that same time. Uh, <laughs> because uh, I got so much shit. Oh, you! I'm sure it was April 20th that I wrote that thread. Justice, meet Thomas Wyndham. Dun dun. He was brought in several months ago to investigate the top of the coup at the DOJ. Did you hear about it before today? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I love when you tout yourself, and you should. It makes me smile. Thomas Wyndham comes to the USAODC from Maryland and has been working with national security and criminal divisions of Maine Justice to investigate criminal activity other than what took place with the boots on the ground at the Capitol on January 6th. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then a month later, he subpoenaed the National Archives. You Fuck knew it. Yeah. You knew it. All right. So that's uh, the good news. If you have any other good news, corrections, confessions, uh, what you, you thought the theme song used to say, it's, <laughs> nobody ever gets it right. It's always something new and interesting and different. And I'm really excited to create this character, Liz Waring. I'm Liz Waring. I'm Liz Waring. And... Here's the news. <laughs> You're listening to the news with Liz Waring. Uh, I, could, I just, it, there, there feels like there's a, a character in there somewhere. So thank you for sending that in. You can send in all your good news and corrections and stuff at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts? I do, because this is a long goodbye for me. Um, I am going mm-hmm. on another work trip. And I just realized, I don't know if any of the Beans listeners want me in the Patreon page to post pictures, because I do like photography and a lot of stuff and I get to see pretty places. I just never thought to post them on the the beans page, but I'm going on another work trip. It happens to be one of my bucket lists. I'll be in Iceland and um, I I will be telling jokes to the ladies, but I will be back in your ears, but not till September 4th, the weekend of Labor Day. So I need you all to make sure AG stays on two feet and off her her head, please. And you all need to check on her and make sure she's doing what she needs to be doing. And no more soft tissue injuries. I'd appreciate it. And just please, for God's sake, can you please take care of yourself? I made it this far. I know you did, <laughs> but this one scared me a little bit. It scared me too, my friend, especially since I have a cat. And I'm pretty oh, sure my cat would man. eat me if I didn't. Oh, for that. sure. So All he right. seems very nice, but Bruce Willis, but you know. Yeah, no, the cat's like my new owner. She's been down for hours. <laughs> I hit the fucking jackpot. <laughs> been waiting for this moment all my oh life. Oh, my God. Finally, Liz Waring is mine. Um, 
that's that's what I imagine. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, everybody, for the well wishes. Really, everybody's been super great. My doctors have been really great. I'm Good. very thankful that I have VA healthcare uh, and was able to get that checked out and get the CT scan and, and everything. Um, so thank you, everybody. Please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Uh, take care of your face and vote blue over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. Take care of your face. <laughs> the Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>